0: Welcome to Geek Gab on the Books. I'm author Brian Niemeyer, BrianNemeyer.com, And with me this afternoon is M.T. White, the author of the mystery thriller Down to Shale, as well as the thriller Conce Cowboy, which you can find on Amazon and Medium.com, respectively. Both are in the show notes. And today, we are going to be talking about classic retro movies with science fiction novel roots, movies that were influenced by science fiction novels. But before we get into that, MT, thanks for joining us. How are you today?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. It's good to be here.
0: Outstanding. It's my pleasure. Uh, I, I like to feature newer authors on the show, give them a platform, get them introduced to a new audience and to give our listeners a chance to get exposed to some cool new genre fiction stuff and now you you mainly seem to write in the thriller and mystery genre is that correct
1: Yeah yeah that's correct um, I've been a uh crime i'd say it's more crime than mystery thriller or maybe even action one one person read my book and said it's more of an action book <laughs> uh but mm-hmm. it, it does have crime overtones because i was influenced a lot by uh, uh joseph wambaugh and uh elmore leonard but uh my growing up especially you know Recently, like at least since college, I watched a lot, a lot, a lot of action movies, and uh, you know I was into MMA. I, I do MMA in my spare time, uh, so I'm definitely very action conscious, I guess. So, but with you know crime overtones, so that that's the type of stuff I always liked. And then you throw into that with uh, you know certain you know crime movies like uh, like The Godfather or uh, you know Scarface or other um, you know of course the even though I've railed on him in articles at Return of Kings before, uh, Quinn Tarantino, some of his his, his early oeuvre is definitely pretty good, but also you know, like Martin Scorsese and John Woo. Well,
0: that is pretty august company. <laughs> That's a lot of people. <laughs> you're, you're in good company. You'll be glad to know that a friend of the show, Nathan Housley, the pulp archivist, has confirmed that crime stories and suspense stories are, are pulp. I don't know if you're tuned into the Pulp Revolution. But, uh...
1: A little bit, a little bit. Um, uh, yeah, John Mollison, who's a, a great guy, he's written a review of my book, and he, he pretty much kind of tied it in to uh, the Pulp Revolution. I mean, people like uh, Raymond Chandler or uh, um, the guy who wrote uh, The Maltese Falcon, his name escapes me at the moment. Uh, Was that yeah, yeah, Dashiell Hammett, yeah. His, <laughs> I think many would consider his books, uh, th- those books in the pulp tradition. And I would say definitely um, the Mike Hammer stories by, um, God, his name escapes me at the moment too. Uh, but the Mike Hammer stories also. Oh, Mickey Spillane, who in, who influenced okay. Frank Miller, the comic book artist and writer. Um, but, you know, you know, Mickey Spillane, definitely I would say those are a hard turn towards pulp, or at least, um, you know, in that vein for sure.
0: Totally, yeah. I know that Hammett's book *Red Harvest*, which I mentioned on the last Geek but this is the perfect chance to mention it again, since we're talking about books that influenced movies. Uh, have, have you seen *A Fistful of Dollars*?
1: Absolutely, I've seen *A Fistful of Dollars*. I've also seen um, uh, Yo, uh, *Yojimbo*, which is uh, which is stole it from *Red Harvest*, <laughs> which is also yeah. which got you know got it from *Fistful of Dollars*. Got it from *Yojimbo*. Yeah, so yeah. it all trickles down like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and Leon even, even claims that he directly adapted dollars from Red Harvest. Really? Yeah, the court can okay. agree. Right. But, uh, <laughs> <and> he said <started> he's <laughs> bringing the story home from Japan, back to the States, right?
1: Right, right. Yeah, they, they, I mean, there was all types of rumor about that movie, like that they would have like a movieola on the set where they would watch Yojimbo, and then they would uh, you know, shoot scenes for you know, you know, whatever with Clint Eastwood for a fistful of dollars. And Clint Eastwood denied that, saying we couldn't even afford, like, uh, you know, a pot to piss in, where we didn't have a moviola on set. Um, but uh, I know Kurosawa, he sent a note to Leone after watching Fistful of Dollars, he said. He said, Mr. Leone, I liked your movie, but can you please give me some credit? So um, they eventually worked out a deal, I believe, where um, Toho got, basically got, got the movie at a bargain bin price for Japanese distribution or something. Yeah, like, it they, was it, it, Yeah, go ahead.
0: Yeah, I was just researching this. Yeah, they got uh 15% of the back end Toho did and they got like exclusive East Asian distribution rights, which ended up making Kurosawa more yeah. in the long run than you know Jimbo did.
1: Yeah, that's not surprising, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have someone like me who's uh, lived in Japan, I-, I once saw this Japanese documentary filmmaker, some woman. She said she said on the interview. She she said it's easier to see a Hollywood movie in Japan than a Kurosawa movie. And that's actually very true because when you're in Japan and we can talk about this later with Kansai Cowboy and you're like going to movie theaters, like they have a very, they have a lot of vertical integration. So like Toho will have a theater, Mm -hmm. but then the big megaplex uh, in like uh, the city where I lived, Hiroshima, they had a Warner Michael and I don't think it takes a genius to figure out who owned that movie theater or (laughs) who the the partnership was with. And of course, like that's where you went to go see the Matrix. That's where you went to go see Lord of the Rings, Mm -hmm. which were out at the time. And uh, so these Hollywood studios really are ingrained into into Japan. So it's actually way easier to see Hollywood product, and therefore it's more profitable than it is to see um, uh, Japanese product. Now that's changed a little bit. A lot of uh, a lot of homegrown stuff has uh, is starting to outgross the Hollywood product, and of course stuff like the Ghibli movies, like um, you know uh, Miyazaki's movies, so those naturally are always like the top grocers of the year. But uh, you know they they have a lot of cross promotion with television where like they'll make a television show and then they'll do a movie version of it and you know that that helped and were, the television show acts as a big promotion for the movie and so they've kind of that's kind of like their model at least it was I'm not I'm not quite up on the current product at the moment but that was their model.
0: Okay, I yeah. think, thanks for that. That's <laughs> Japanese culture. Complete and digression. Would, would, <laughs> no, it's. It's fine. Anything goes here, man. Whatever you want to talk about. But uh, that's a subject near and dear to my heart because I'm, you know, a bit of a file, uh, nih- and I, I've known a lot of cats who've who lived in the land of the rising sun for uh, shorter or longer periods. So I'm, I'm curious. So, do you mind discussing what brought you there in the first place?
1: Yeah, I, it was strictly financial. I just wanted to be. I, it was an English teaching job. Uh, yeah. I've I that. Say, say what.
0: I've had friends who've done that. Sorry to cut you yeah, off. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It's, it's, it's very common. Like if you're an aimless uh, college graduate, um, the JET program, which is probably the most lucrative, which is sponsored by the Japanese government, the JET program will pay for, you know, pay for you to come to Japan and teach English. And depending on where you live, they'll pay for your room and they'll pay for your room and board. They'll pay your rent too. But that, that depends on where you live. The more, if you get stuck out in the countryside, like I did, you're going to be, uh, it, there's a better chance they'll pay for your, your rent. Um, but yeah, you know, you get a you get a decent salary and, um, you, uh, you know, the, the work wasn't too hard and then, you know, you get to go see Japan and uh, depending on how long you can tolerate you can live up there, you could, you know, have a contract lasting up to three years. And, um, so I was there for, I was there for two years and, uh, actually I lied. It wasn't strictly financial. I've always had an interest like you in, uh, Asian culture and Japanese culture in particular. Uh, since I was a little boy, and I visited visited the Japanese embassy uh, growing up in Canada, uh, uh, and then you know, of course, all the stuff you know, the eighties were when I grew. Is, is that when you grew up too in the eighties? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So in the 80s, you know, you had the Ninja Explosion stuff, right? You had all the you know all the Shokusugi movies. You had all the uh, you know Chuck Norris movies, and of course, you, you know, we're still all the Bruce Lee stuff from the seventies was now on home video. And uh, so, you know, and for a little kid, it all just mashed together. You know, you didn't know the difference between China or Korea or Japan. But, um, you know, and then of course in high school, um, I I got really heavy into anime. And this was, you know, this was the nineties. This was not when Dragon Ball Z was on Cartoon Network and everybody knew what it was and everybody was talking about it. Like to be into anime was real geek stuff in the in the oh, yeah. mid 90s like you know with tape traders you would have to go to you have to go to conventions and like you know you'd meet friends you go up to their hotel room it sounds creepy in retrospect but you know and it was you, <laughs> yeah you, you go up to their you know you go up to their hotel room and like it's full of bad odor and you know cuz nobody watched and like they'd hacked the uh, the uh, system in the in the in the room so they could uh, hook up the VCRs to the television to the mm-hmm. hotel television set and like you yeah. you would be dubbing off copies of uh, that are like 17th generation of you know, the um, the Gundam movie that, you know, only had a cursory release in uh, in Japan, but this guy just had a, happened to have a copy of it, you know, or, uh, you know, the uh, Studio Gainax collection where they have the video set to the electric-like orchestra song, mm. you know, which is their first video. It, 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 do you even know what I'm talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think, uh,
0: I'm having flashbacks here, man. You're,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, plugged into
0: the culture and it, it really influenced my writing. And so I've got to ask, it, it seems like your time in Japan influenced your writing, at least if Council is any indication. Can you fill us in a little more on that?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, it, the Japan um, basically altered – living in Japan for two years, I think will – Alter anybody's worldview, um, you know, because it just gives you um, it gives you a it's it's completely different culture. It's a completely different country than than a place like here. Of course, it's very modern, but and the, like they make our technology right, like this iPad that I'm doing the uh, interview on. Like they manufacture some of that technology, but the a mo- a majority of the country is actually very low tech. And uh, you, I, I kind of felt that when I was living there, I was seeing like what maybe the U I don't want to get too political here, but maybe kind of like what the U S was like when my parents were growing up kind of like in the fifties or, you know, where, where everybody's very, everybody, even to this day, I would say still pretty conservative in this, in, in a social sense. And, um, and you just see like a real cohesive, uh, society working And then of course I delved into like, um, a little bit of like a Japanese philosophy, especially martial arts philosophy, which is what I've always uh, been getting into. But also, of course, just you know, Japanese, uh, you know, you know, film and um, and a, a little bit of writing, but not too much like actual literature. But a lot of uh, a lot of Japanese pop culture has influenced me, and in, uh, Japanese uh, philosophy for sure.
0: For sure, yeah. Same here.
1: So yeah. <laughs> And then with Kansai with Cowboy, the, the one thing I wanted to tie together with that is that you have this, it, it, it's not covered all, it's, it's not explicit in the novel as much as I think maybe it should be. I might have to go back and do an edit because this is a serial format. But it's basically, you have a, um, you know, an old school Texas Ranger and who's kind of feels a little bit alienated in the world that he lives in, which is, uh, you know, modern, modern small town Texas. And then he goes to Japan. And in fact, he actually finds that he has actually more in common with them than uh, like in terms of the way, their way of living, right. um, their, their way of life and their attitude about life. Like, uh, like, you know, they have a very masculine, like the men have a very masculine attitude about um about about how to live you know very very unpretentious way of living and um he, he finds more common cause common cause with that of course while solving a you know solving a mystery and, and all that and but that that's more under that, that's more lie that's more under underground like underlying the story it's not necessarily bubbling to the top maybe it will bubble to the surface more now that i'm talking about it and you know, i still have <laughs> chapters to go but um that was actually
0: in real time exactly
1: exactly i mean that's the beauty of a serial format i mean the book is i mean spoiler the book is written but i mean as as i drop a chapter each week i'm 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 making alterations all the time but sometimes the, the the draft that i have is completely different than what actually ends up going up on medium because i just review something like no this is terrible and just, you know, do a com- do, do a do a complete uh, rewrite. And that, that's, I, I don't think anything is, everything is formless until it's, you know, written in ink on the internet. And then even then it'll, it can be changed <laughs> and altered. In fact, anything, I think the internet's made things worse in the sense that, you know, it's hard to, if somebody, if something's only on the internet only, if somebody takes down the site, the archiving and stuff is really hard to, to kind of like go back and do the archeology. span um, mm. in a sense, this electric archaeology, because you hear about someone who's done old writings or something like that, and you want to go look back and find their old writings and just, you know, uh, see what they had to say, see how they how their writing has evolved or something.
0: It's hard to find. Yeah, yeah web archaeology, you know? I think, is going to be an emerging field, like a serious branch of research in the not too near future if it isn't already. By the way, right. we've got a question from the chat. Um, have you okay. read The Broken Sword by Paul Anderson? No, I have not. Me either. Okay. <laughs> so I was just wondering if we'd talk about it, and, and we did. But it, apparently it had, a, it looks like it had some pretty major influences on stuff I also haven't read. So, sorry. Sorry, like, like, like you can see, we're, we're, we're a bunch of 80s kids weebs. <laughs> we have different influences.
1: I, I, I have read um, the book Miyamoto Musashi, the, the whole book, by, oh. um, uh, which the movie, the Samurai Trilogy, is based on the uh, with uh with the uh, Toshiro Toshiro Mifune. Oh, that's hot. Yeah, that, that there is an English version available. I don't know how hard it is yet, but Kodansha did release an English version. That, by the way, that was kind of a pulpy book. It was serialized. Oh, and, oh, sure.
0: Uh, um, Japan is the one place where the pulp ethos never died. No, whether yeah, whether it's in their film or or manga or novels. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, it's that it's that more masculine approach. You know that. Like you said, unpretentious, no-nonsense approach to life.
1: Right. And, yeah. and I, yeah. Even though I'm not the biggest globalist, I do think uh, this is coming up in a piece that I'm writing. But I do think that is kind of the benefits of this: is that people, we may not have it here in our home product, but we can get it. You know, from from like anime or Japanese manga or uh, or even like the the their films, like you said. You know, and we can still get a sense. Of, oh, there's still somebody who appreciates this type of stuff you know um right. the uh, like *Gogo 13 that's been that's still being serialized and i think it's the longest running comic series um that's not a superhero um for i mean by the same person i think uh, it's been going on like 40 plus years you know which yes. is which is which is amazing and uh but uh but yeah definitely they but like that that's the weird thing about japan is like when they embrace like a any type of pop culture, it kind of gets frozen in amber in that, in that format. Like Donald Ritchie, who's a Japanese expert, he said that um, we may forget about the Beatles, but you can go, but we can go to Japan in a hundred years and there will be a group somewhere that calls themselves the Beatles and they'll be enshrined there and we'll go, who are they? But the, and it's, it's the same with cultural forms like comic books and anime and like pulp serializing. Like they just continue these things. I, I think even in Japan, people are still using VHS to watch movies. But, oh, but, but you know, but they they keep but they keep those traditional forms. Whereas here in the U.S., we're always changing. We always got to change our format, change you know, change what we're doing. These type of things. And um, my wife was just telling me that um, in Japan, they're they've decided to scale back on their iPhone usage. So a lot of people are now just going back to the flip phones because they're like, my life is too hectic with this, with this phone that I'm always, you know, you know, that I'm, that I'm, I'm entrenched in scanning through. So now they're, they're just, some of them are just like de technologic. I don't even know the word, but they're, they're, you know, they're, they're kind of naturally they're, they're kind of naturally Luddites in a way in the sense they can scale back on their technological usage, you know, just to enjoy the finer things in life, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a hopeful sign. And, and tell you what, man, we are almost out of time here. Wow. Okay. Time flies. Uh, I have put a link to the English language version of Musashi by Kodansha. It's going to be in the show notes. Okay. I recommend checking that out. You know, it's the the basis of uh what or they? Seven Samurai. And, no, no, no. Are...
1: It's basis of the movie uh, Samurai, the Samurai trilogy. Um, and it's also okay, the basis the
0: part of the Samurai trilogy. Okay, my fault.
1: Yeah, and it's also the basis for the manga Vagabond.
0: Okay. All right, well, thank you for correcting me on that. Do yeah, uh, no you problem. have any final messages you would like to leave with our listeners?
1: Yeah, please. Uh, if you uh, if you just want to get a sample of my writing, you can read Kansai Cowboy for free on Medium. Um, the link is below. And also my novel, uh, if you like what I have to, if you like my writing, please read. check out my crime action thriller, Down to Sheol. Everyone who's read it so far, including uh, Mr. John Mollison, have given it a, have given it a rave review. And uh, hopefully, uh, you guys will enjoy it. Outstanding. I'd also be remiss not to plug my own work.
0: And right now, my award winning Soul Cycle is on sale for $12.97, which is less than the price than Four Books is charging for John Scalzi's latest novel. I was trying to give you guys a deal that's three books for the price of one TradPub ebook. You can also, if you go to my blog, Kairos Linked in the links below, in the show notes, you can get a free copy of my highly regarded, well-received high fantasy novella, The Name of the Pearl, for free. Uh, It's free to new mailing list subscribers. And don't worry, I I never spam people. Be sure to subscribe at the link below, and it's YouTube, and things have to be as difficult as possible. you got a double secret subscribe, you got to Click subscribe and then click on the bell icon, or else they won't send you reminders when new shows are uploaded. This has been GeekGab on the books. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to M.T. White for joining us. And remember, keep reading.